Medication time. Medication time. <laughs> this week on Ad- uh, a damn podcast. <laughs> Nicely done. I didn't know you were gonna do that. That was good. <laughs> this week on a damn podcast, we are going to review one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Yes. Welcome to episode eight. I am Adam Sherlock. I'm Adam Palcher. And if you remember last week, we did Dark City with Richard O'Brien, who was in Rocky Horror Picture Show with Susan Sarandon, who was in Witches of Eastwick with Jack Nicholson, <laughs> nice. who's in this week's movie. One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Uh, along the with classic the, movie. Oh, extremely 1975 classic. classic. The uh, Along with that, we're going to do our top five female villains. And then our top five scenes in a psych ward. Yeah. Okay. Yes, yeah, scenes in a psych ward. Okay. So uh, let's delve in. One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Uh, Milos Forman. Milos. Milos. Uh, based on a book by Ken Kesey. Uh, winner of five Academy Awards. Yeah, they did the sweep. Now I read this. They they, they did. Uh, they won Best Picture, Best Director, Best Actor for Jack Nicholson. Right. Um, Best Actress for Nurse Ratchet and Best Screenplay. So they did the sweep. This is the second movie in history to ever do that. All to get all five, the big five. And the next time it happened was almost twenty years later when it happened with Silence of the Lambs. Really? Yep. No kidding. So. Both movies take place in a, uh, uh, have scenes in a mental institution. That's true. Very interesting. Uh, yeah, anyway, you know, this movie, it is a classic, man. It really is. And there's so many, uh, big name actors at the beginning of their career doing character work. Danny DeVito, my God. He's awesome. He's incredible. I mean, he disappears into that character and you just think like, (laughs) and with so many of them, I mean, uh, uh, another uh, Christopher Lloyd is another one where you look at these guys and you go, you guys spent the rest of your career as these sort of one note actors and still doing really good stuff. But you see those, you see this movie with those characters and you go, do you just make a decision at some point that you're just going to go, like, you get big enough that you're just going to go and do whatever, and you, yeah. you give up the character acting thing? Because Danny DeVito was blowing me away through the entire yeah, movie. He's so tiny. Martini. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's one martini. It's funny because him and Christopher Lloyd ended up working on Taxi together after this. Right. And Christopher Lloyd's character is kind of the same guy if he was a little more sane. And, and, and a lot more angry. But, like, yeah, and actually, like, Christopher Lloyd's character seems like the most sane person in the hospital, actually. Next to like, Jack Nicholson. Ne- next to Jack Nicholson. <laughs> um, so let's go, let's go through really quick uh, and do a, a brief synopsis. Um, I think I can probably do this. Yep. Um, R.P. McMurphy is this uh, small-time petty crook uh, who essentially is in and out of prison uh, uh, for years and is sent to this uh, prison work farm where uh, he basically is just lazy and he loves fucking with people and he doesn't want to... He doesn't want to work. He doesn't want to do any of the stuff that they want him to do. So he keeps acting out over and over again. And you get the sense that some of it's because he's lazy and some of it's just because he really gets a kick out of people (laughs) thinking that he's nuts. Well, they think that he's nuts enough that they send him to this hospital so that they can evaluate him over the course of four weeks. Um, Now, when he gets sent for the four weeks, he only has, I think, about 85 days uh, left at the work farm. And so he's thinking, well, I can just blow my wad in these 85 days here at the hospital and fuck it, man. I'll just get to sit around and, you know, pretend I'm sad and pretend I'm nuts and it won't, you know. And then they'll, after the 85 days, I'll just get to go free, you know, and so it'll be fine. Um, While he's in there, uh, it's basically his interactions with the other patients in 
uh, this hospital, and he meets his nemesis, uh, Nurse Ratchet, who <laughs> is played by... Uh, what's her name? I don't know. I didn't wow, know. I wrote it down, but it's I can't. Find she really it hasn't done much else. She really hasn't, like, which is it, too bad. Because lots of like little TV shows and little things here and there, but nothing nearly as close to how great. Oh, she was she's there. incredible yeah. in this. I mean, she won an Academy Award. Yep. You know, so well, sometimes that's the kiss of death, though. Yeah. But uh, anyway, uh, you know, the rest of the movie really seems to just be a narrative about the fact that if you. And, I mean, granted, uh, uh, Nicholson's character of uh, McMurphy, or Mac, as he's just basically come to known in the movie, uh, although he is, like, nutty and he has some stuff going on that you're like, normal people wouldn't do that, I know that I have friends that are crazier than Mac is, and, you know, we we both do. But I think it's a, a real commentary upon the idea that if you put that microscope on anyone's life, right anyone can seem out of balance. I mean, you know, if, if one of us were, was to go in and sit down with a psychoanalyst for two or three hours, would walk out of there with a suitcase full of fucking medication. I mean, this is just, you know, and, and but it's like, he's in this spot and he grossly, uh, uh, I almost said misunderestimates, which is a funny made up word, but he, he grossly underestimates uh what what the position that he's really in, which uh, is essentially that by being sent from the work farm over to them to be evaluated and for them to say, we do think he has problems and he should stay here, all of his rights have gone out the door. He yeah. is now in the possession of the hospital and whatever they think that they need to do to him. And even though he thinks that he's in this conflict, this power struggle with Nurse Ratchet, in reality, his entire fate is in her hands. And he doesn't realize that um and lots of really interesting things happen that that in- include the well-being of everybody every other patient on the on the staff not just not just his own um, so out of out of all the patients who was your favorite i you know i love billy i love i yeah. love uh brad Dereef's character. i love my favorite i thought he was great he just makes you crap crack up every time is Cheswick, the guy with the oh. horn room glasses. I don't know why. Yeah, no, I do. Yeah, I like Cheswick a lot. He makes some just funny faces and weird comments. No, he's, he, that guy, I don't know who that actor is, but he is incredible. The he's, only other thing I think I've seen him in is Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. He's, he's in, in, he's in yeah. that? Yeah. Really? For a small, like, five seconds, but I don't wow. know why I remember you that. You remember that, though. That's crazy. <laughs> well, and he's a great character, too, because I think that you know, in the beginning, you think, like, okay, like, Cheswick, like, he's kind of neurotic, but whatever. Yeah. And then he, he gets some incredible scenes where he just breaks down and he basically turns into this infant. Mm-hmm. And it's really disturbing. And that was one thing, uh, you know, a, a really early scene in the movie uh, where uh, McMurphy's in the admission scene with the hospital administrator. And it's just the two of them, and they're just talking. And, and he's asking him, why do you think you've been sent here? And he's doing this really basic, I, uh, you know, uh, orientation admission thing to him. That whole scene was apparently improvised, by the way. Really? Yeah. And see, and that's... I, I was going to say, they fucking... Don't make them like they used to, man. Because, no. you know, one, you know, the, the, this thing happens where you get these movies and they're trying to do all this exposition and explain these different things and they're trying to make it feel realistic for you. Yeah. And here's this scene of just these two guys talking and the fact that you say it's improvised makes it even more intense. 
I mean, it feels so real. Just the two of the, these guys sitting in this room talking, yep, and like the part where he's like, "Well, why do you think you got R- sent R- here?" Smacks the thing, and he yeah. kind of gives. It, yeah, and he, he, he like table. looks at me. Ah, thank you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he says, uh, "You know, why do you think you've been sent here?" And he's like, uh, "Too much fighting and fucking." And he looks at me, goes, "In the, in the prison, in the." And he goes, "Oh no, oh why have I been sent here?" And he goes, "Yeah," and he goes, "Oh, oh I thought you," and it's like this weird little uncomfortable <laughs> moment, and you just realize that. It, it's early on, and it gives you a really good feel for uh, Nicholson's character that, like, saying fighting and fucking, he's saying it to get a rise out of the guy. Yeah. You know, and they're like, and he's like, no, I, what but are you talking about? he says it's super mellow, though. He yeah, but it's that. like he's saying it to try and get a reaction, you know, yep. and, and you realize really quickly that, like, okay, that's who this character is. Um, well, I think it comes, his character kind of realizes what these other guys' lives are like and doesn't really understand it and he's like you know basically tries to regenerate these guys and give them you know kind of just uh tries to liven them up you know give them some balls you know because they're all pretty well yeah and i think scared of everything and you know there's one uh the scene where he's requesting the uh the the baseball game to be on and he's like you know a little the world series a little yeah. change never hurt anyone you know and and uh where he tries to lift the water thing to throw it out to go see the game and he's like at least i tried you know at yeah least I yeah that. at least i at least and none I of these did guys that. would ever even think about doing that and well and the realization that he comes to and that we come to when he finds out he's one of the only patients in that ward uh, that isn't there voluntarily. Yeah. And he's easily, I mean, he's a troublemaker, but he's easily the, has the, the closest grip on reality of all of the guys in there. And you're just thinking to yourself, like all these guys that are sitting around in this group are all voluntary. Yeah. And he's like, you're kidding me. Yeah. Like, (laughs) come on, you know? And, and, And it's, you know, and that's, that's a really interesting point too. That's, that's, uh, this idea that, these people have created their own personal hell for themselves, and this is the safest place that they have. Well, and he, and he kind of brings these guys to life near the end, you know, and he's like the criminal, but, you know, they're, they're permanently, you know, changed because of him, you know? And oh, yeah, yeah, eyes. yeah. Well, I think it was directed so well. Uh, uh, Milos Foreman is the same guy who did People vs. Larry Flint, Amadeus, yep. Man on the Moon, yep. Hair. He did he directed Hair. Yeah. And uh, this is this is definitely, you know, especially for the era of when it came out in the in the mid seventies, to see something so stark was very rare. Yeah. You know, there weren't there weren't a lot of directors that were going uh, that that route. Usually, it was uh, m- most movies. The volumes turned up really loud on you know as far as the colors go and the acting and all these things. And this movie was the opposite of that. I mean, it. it it felt like Twelve Angry Men. It felt like it could have been a play. Yeah, you know, it was, it was, it was all these characters in these rooms together, and you know, just watching these things slowly unfold. And some of the, some of the scenes that the, the anger or the intensity and you know uh, the unease that you felt was was so strong and like really powerful you know and it, and it makes you realize why this was such a classic because it, it does deal with the idea of the human spirit but it deals with the idea of the human spirit in a very real world setting it isn't this fairy tale piece about overcoming obstacles it's like no this guy is a dickhead yeah. i mean he is and and he deserves admittingly yeah. a lot of the stuff that he gets but 
his the level with which he misunderstands what he's truly up against that it's like you can't win like and you're you're trying to help these other people out and it's not it's not going to help anybody out in the long run unfortunately you know and but there are some great scenes like that that are really uplifting like the the pretending that the the baseball game is on, you know, just to get yeah. back at the nurse and like yeah. getting everybody really into it. That was really great. Some of my favorite parts uh, are just kind of the little crazy idiosyncrasies that those guys have, and they're hilarious. Like there's oh, a, yeah. there's a part <laughs> when they're on the bus to go to the fishing trip, and he goes and gets the girl, and she comes back on, and she's like, "You guys, are you guys all crazy?" And Cheswick gives her this creepy and fucking starts face. nodding like, up oh and yeah down. we are yeah well then the great scene after that where they go and they get on the boat and the the, the, the skipper yeah. comes out and he's like oh well we're with the hospital uh you know this is dr cheswick this is dr and he starts going through and who's the harding yeah yeah with the beard yeah this is dr harding famous dr harding oh that oh no, no that is that another guy who's the, that that's harding's when he says mr harding oh yeah mr harding <laughs> not yeah he's over little, him. no <laughs> who's the famous uh uh, he has the remember. big regal beard and the glasses. Yeah. <laughs> Famous <laughs> doctor. But uh, anyways, th- those are in like Danny DeVito with the cigarettes where he wants to bet a, a nickel. Yeah, and he's breaking and just, his cigarettes in half. Just little he's things like that are just so teaching hilarious. Um, one scene I noticed, which I never noticed before, is um, a scene where they go to get the electroshock therapy, him, right. Cheswick, and Chief. Yeah. Um, and the doctor that does electroshock therapy walks in the... In, in the in the floor from the elevator, right, and all of the guys just go into their walk rooms into their rooms, yeah, and, and there's no music. It's so quiet. I never noticed that before. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't think I had ever noticed that before either. But no, no, here's the I have to raise a, a question, and I don't know if you know the answer to this, but when they give them the electroshock therapy and they're all holding them down, yeah, wouldn't that give like shock them isn't it like one of those taser things that i mean would... it's it's electric brain it's activity a current, i don't, know if, I don't right? know if that's going to i don't know if it's it going through your whole body there's a rumor that i read on mdb saying that he actually got that during that scene because it's very realistic it is so painful to yeah. watch like his, yeah he his, gets that his lips like instantly turn white and like they're just like, i cannot yeah. believe that so i, I don't if know he if he really did if not. he really did get that that explains a lot about uh <laughs> his later career and <laughs> sort of like his personal life. Like, you know, you hear about all these crazy shit that he did. I guess he was doing it back no, then. I don't know. That's just right. I don't know if it's true, but it, it looked extremely realistic. Now you, uh, you talked about the chief. Let's talk about the chief. Ah, uh, juicy fruit. Ah, uh, juicy fruit. <laughs> My yeah. The chief line. who's this like 10 foot tall, massive native American guy, uh, who they believe is both deaf and mute. And McMurphy finds out that, in fact, neither one of these things are true. And that he he talks about his father. He talks about watching his father dealing with the real world and basically turning into a shell of a man and that it just scared the shit out of him. Mm-hmm. You know, and he keeps telling, he has that great scene where he tells McMurphy, like, you're so much bigger than I am. It's like, what are you talking about, Chief? You're as big as a goddamn mountain, you Tree know? Trunk, yeah. Yeah, and he's, and it, but it's a really sweet, I mean, he is in it incredibly sweet character in the movie the, it really is the scene where they're sitting in to go uh into electroshock therapy and it's the first time he talks he, he gives re- him the piece of and gum. he realizes that he talks yeah every time i see that scene i've seen this movie a lot of times it just makes me smile and just laugh oh yeah it just makes me so happy yeah it's like and there, there's no reason for him to to not tell people yeah you know but he's just like 
you know, no one's really kind of got to know him. Yeah, nobody's ever bothered. I mean, just even like when he's trying to teach him how to play basketball. Yeah. And he's, <laughs> and he's like, you know, put the ball in the net. And he's going, what the fuck are you doing? Wasting your time talking to him, McMurphy. Like, yeah. he can't even hear a goddamn thing. Here. And meanwhile, like, he's just bored and sitting there and, and it not doesn't, saying anything. It doesn't really change too much of the story or anything, but it's great character development. They're well, basically, like, all, what it does is, is it starts the real... Uh, second act of the movie which is this friendship that the two of them create yeah and even though uh so many of the other patients on the ward have admiration for mcmurphy no one's really his friend and the chief is actually his friend it's the one person that he it's the only it's actually i mean everybody else gets influenced but it's one of the only people that he is actually able to help that he really truly inspires um now, one of, now, I don't know if anybody who's listening to this has noticed yet, but unlike all of our other episodes, I haven't said that we don't do spoilers because this is the one movie where we actually have waited to talk about any, any of the ending. the ending stuff and, until the, uh, the, this far into it. And it's because there's a lot. And so uh, if, if you haven't seen this movie, this is where we're going to stop and this will actually be a spoiler section. Because we want to talk about the last half of the movie. Um, act three. Now, speaking of people that were influenced by McMurphy, one of them, one of the most significant ones is Billy, um, played by Brad Dorif. Incredible performance, too. Uh, Just he, he, I think amazing. He might have won an uh, award as well. Maybe I'm wrong, though. Uh, you know, he went on to have a, a pretty great career as just a character actor doing some pretty he, pretty I, wild characters. He did almost all of the Chucky movies. <laughs> yeah, he's the voice of Chucky. Oh, yeah. he's the voice he's of He's the voice of Chucky. Oh, okay. Yeah, Brad Dorif is the voice of Chucky. I didn't, I didn't yeah. know that. And he obviously <laughs> was Lord of the Rings. He was in Two Worm Towers. Tongue, yeah. And uh, he was, uh, I don't know if you ever saw Deadwood, but he's... Uh, yeah, Doc yeah, yeah. Cochran in that. That's so. right. Yeah, yeah. He's he's, a, he's he's had a pretty interesting <laughs> career playing psychopaths. But this movie is really sweet. He has this almost uh, crippling stutter um, and total Until lack late, of, of, of self confidence. Yeah. <laughs> right. And 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 this huge problem with girls. And McMurphy basically on his last night he he. Uh, Plies the Night Watchman, played Scat wonderfully Man. by Scatman Crothers. Yep. <laughs> wonderfully. He plies him with alcohol uh, so that he can basically get everybody on the floor drunk, steal the keys, and get the hell out of the hospital. Goodbye party. A goodbye party. And Scatman, goddammit, comes in at the very end and just knocks it out of the fucking park. And like the 10 minutes he's in the movie, he's just amazing. Yeah. And I forgot that you had said that he was in the after we had talked had that conversation about the shining the other day. And he's just so great in those couple of minutes that he's in it, you just Ah, oh, it's so funny. But yeah, I uh, love the scene where they're all hiding from the nurse. Yeah, he's like, he's like "What are you doing he, in here?" Is he talking? Is, yeah. is he out there? Where is he? Where he's is like, he? "I'm in here with you, motherfuckers." Yeah, I'm in here with you, motherfuckers. I ain't going out there. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. So, uh, but anyway, uh, they have the party, and McMurphy takes his sometimes girlfriend and basically tells her, "Like, hey, go sleep with Billy. He likes you." Um, and they go back into they go back into the room and. Uh, Everyone pretty much passes out. Everybody pretty much passes out. And why didn't he just go? Why didn't McMurphy just leave? Yeah, yeah that's that's always bothered me. It's but. like it's almost like in a way that he wants he wants to see 
Nurse Ratchet's face. He wants her to know yep. what he did. And he wants to see it. It's not good enough for him to just go. And I think that even then, he still doesn't understand the lengths to, to, with, to, to which they can fuck with him. I think he still doesn't understand, you know? Yep. I mean, he finds out earlier that when the guard tells him, uh, you know, 85 days, you dumb fuck, like, you... We, we keep you till we let you go. Yeah. That was in the work farm 85 days. We can keep you indefinitely. Yep. I'll be an old man by the time you get out of here, you know. And But he still doesn't get it. He still doesn't really understand. Everybody's drunk. They even get the fucking guy from the Hills Have Eyes drunk. That uh-huh. big motherfucker with the lerpy head. Yeah. Yeah, they even get that dude drunk. And they all pass out. Nurse Ratchet comes in in the morning. The uh, before we go too into her, okay, let's talk about her before we kind of go into her part of the ending. She like she's a really interesting character, and but, her le- her level of control is like it doesn't go too far. You know, it doesn't it doesn't turn into something where you're like that wouldn't happen. I mean, it stays realistic for sure. But she's so manipulative. Well, like, just, like, even the first scene that she walks on, like, her clothes, her face, her hair, her fucking just pompous attitude, you're just like, I hate you, you yeah. bitch. Yeah, well, and that's, and that, 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 you know, ten-yard stare that she keeps giving yeah. Nicholson's character, you know, where she just, like, you can just see that she's seething with rage. And then you get these scenes of her and the administrator, and they're talking, and she seems very calm and very reserved, and you go... I know why you got into the line of work that you See, did. That, that's what I was going to say, is the line of work, you know, she's in a position to help people and um, help progress their lives, and she probably thinks she's doing right, you know, but she's totally got an alternate mode, yeah, at she least at just, this point in her career. Well, she's just feeding this fucking monkey that's on her back of total control over other human beings. And I... I've worked with people <laughs> like her before, man, in... in, in, uh, uh, in in the uh, healthcare industry, the, uh, the, I mean, it's it's a lot of people. There are, I mean, I don't mean to make a blanket statement, but there are a lot of people that go into that line of work because they want to control. They love that fix that they feel from being able to be that way towards people, and you can see it in their fucking eyes, you know. Well, and the parts that make you hate her the most too are a lot of the times when she's just kind of just really calm and but really condescending you know super condescending and <laughs> and always one step ahead of McMurphy always one step ahead like she's she is she has premeditated everything that's going to come out of his mouth and has an answer for it oh she's horrible and getting back to this scene <laughs> okay now she can... walks in yep and this is the only time that she is truly Speechless, like frightened. Yeah, frightened. Yes, yeah. she has nothing. She has realized that she has lost control, and you can see it in her face. And her face starts getting really red, and she's shaking. And she asks for her hat back, and it's oh, all filthy. Right. And she's holding it, and she's no. shaking. <laughs> and I mean, and all the guys are standing there, and they're still kind of hungover and drunk and half naked, <laughs> and just like, you know. And the only one who isn't accounted for is Billy. Billy. And the other nurse finds Billy in the seclusion room. And he's had sex. And he comes out and he's laughing and he's finally smiling. like Not stuttering. Not stuttering. Yep. And then this is where that sort of manipulative, manipulative control that she has transcends into, into... This is where her character truly becomes a, a villain. 
Yeah. I mean, for everything before this, you could go, well, you could look at the movie through her perspective and be like, this guy's a piece of shit. What's going on? This is where she truly crosses the line over into villain territory. And she systematically, in a 30-second period, takes Billy from this point where he's feeling pretty good about himself, he isn't stuttering, and he's just had sex with this hot girl. Like, he's totally stoked. And she just breaks him down and breaks him down talking about his mother and how much she would displease this. And then there's the really insidious line that she has where she says, well, you, why wouldn't I tell your mother, you know, that me and your mother are old friends. And the second she says that you go stuttering again. Yeah. Well, and the second she says that too, is the viewer, you go, what the, like, what the fuck, man, there's a weird relationship going on here. Like, what is this relationship that she has with, with Billy's mom? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. there's something fucked up there that they never delve into, but it's so much is spoken in that single line, and you just see him start falling apart, and it's an incredible performance. I mean, he he just disintegrates, and yeah, he wanders off. Away. Yeah, no, they oh, that's away. right. They fucking drag him away, and he starts doing that, no, no, and like no, spitting, no. and yeah. like he can't yeah. even talk, and it's an incredible scene. And this is one of his first movies, by the way. Like, yeah, it's it, like, it says introducing Brad Dury. Yeah. I think it might be. His first movie. First credited role. Yeah. And so that's and incredible. Incredible. And then uh, McMurphy uh, still has the keys, so he goes over and tries to open the the uh, the window. Yeah. The guard comes over, and then he's involved, and the chief's involved, and I mean, they're, they're, there's a huge fight breaking out, and that's when they start screaming, and Billy has gone in. And it looks like he slit his throat. Yeah, I don't know. He kills himself. Always. With a piece of glass. He kills himself. There's blood everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> bright, bright, bright red fucking... I don't know what... I don't know. You know, you just go, Technicolor? Yeah. Come on, guys. <laughs> like, That's okay. What is going on? It doesn't matter. It I mean, doesn't. it doesn't ruin a single thing about it. But, no. Uh, and they all kind of pile in and see it. Nurse Ratchet goes down on her hands and knees, and she's checking to see if he's alive. She stands back up, starts yelling at everybody to get out of the hallway, and McMurphy loses it. And he grabs a hold of her, knocks her to the ground, and starts choking her. And instantly, she turns into Arnold Schwarzenegger in Total Recall when he <laughs> falls outside of the window and he's in Mars. And he's like, "Whoa!" And she looks exactly. That's it. Looks like a rubber mask. Yeah. It's an incredible performance. Yeah. And well, uh, at the same time, though, you're just like you're right there on. with her. You're, I did. I I said it this last. I mean, I've seen the movie so many times. Me and Abby are sitting there watching it, and both of us are going, yes, yeah, fuck her, yes, <laughs> kill her, fucking de- murder her. She deserves it. She deserves it. <laughs> and uh, essentially what happens is McMurphy gets knocked out, carted away, nobody finds out what happens to him, there's stories floating around. Yep. What does is, what is the little dude say? He killed two guards, and yep. you know he's he escaped. In, he escaped, yeah. you know, and all this different stuff. And other people are saying, no, he's up on the next floor. He's in the loony bin. All of this, and the chief is wondering. He's more concerned. All the rest of them have gone right back to the routine. Yep. But the chief is is just wondering, like, what happened to my friend? Then the classic scene comes. The scene that's been imitated. In The Simpsons, they did it in Strangers with Candy. There's a bunch of other TV shows and movies yep. where they parodied the scene. But seeing it again, and I felt so bad because Abby had seen, my wife had seen, the parodies first. She'd never seen this? And she had never seen this. My wife hadn't either. And so I basically, but you know what? 
didn't matter, man. The waterworks turned on. I mean, she she was she was balling, you know. Right. I think even if you've seen the parody version, it's like <laughs> you see the real one, and it it does something. There's to you. a reason it's parody. And the chief sees them bring McMurphy back down and goes up and tries to talk to him. It's after hours, um, and all the lights are off, and he starts talking to him, and McMurphy doesn't answer, just laying in his bed. He turns his head side to side and sees these huge incisions on the sides of his head where they've given him a frontal lobotomy. Lobotomy, yep. And he's a total vegetable. Oh. And there's that great line, and he says... Uh, he says, I'm not going to leave you here like this. You're coming with me. Yep. And then puts that pillow over him. And, I mean, it is one of the most, you know, you see it in so many fucking soap operas and shit where they put the pillow over the face. <laughs> and then they lift the pillow up a second later and they're dead. Yep. But, I mean, you know, your body, if your body was still alive, it would fight back no matter how much your brain was gone. Yep. You know, and he's kicking and punching him. And he is has that hand that is like the size of a fucking softball mitt yeah <laughs> pressed over that pillow and just pushing it down on his face until he finally dies and and uh well i mean intense the, scene the whole intense. irony of him coming in to this this psych ward to ba basically fake it to get out of work being yeah. completely sane and then by the end he's actually crazy you know he, yeah he he's the one he is the one who was the comes insane and, and, and the place become, makes him crazy. Exactly. So, which is, you know, like I said, you put that microscope over anyone's life, and that's the other part of it too. Is you think about a normal person that was in a place where they're being told what to do all the time. Eventually, yeah, you're gonna be like, "Fuck you." Yeah. Like, what gives you the right to tell me what to do? And they're, "Oh, you're crazy." See? <laughs> yeah. You're crazy. You're fighting back. You're making trouble. <laughs> and so, and you know, and, and you think about. And and Ken Kesey, you know, uh, 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 you know, another another book that he wrote was very much, you know, this is a book that this was a book about a psych ward making you crazy. Uh, another great one, Catch Twenty oh, Two, that wrote he that? wrote is about, know. you know, uh, war making someone crazy, but that you would have to be crazy to sign up to go to war to begin with. That. That's, That's the cool. Catch Twenty Two. Yeah. Well, it's funny you mentioned that too, because this last thing I wanted to mention is that. Um, Apparently, the novel is actually written from Chief's perspective, and he ended up That's right. he ended up suing Michael Douglas, who produced the movie, because uh, and he said he's never seen the full movie version because they they destroyed it so much. He said he never wants to watch it. And uh, yeah, you know, Ken Kesey's kind of a nut job. Yeah, well, I mean, he's an incredible. I mean, he's an incredible artist. But it, I just know, thought that was interesting that um, it was from the Chief's perspective. That would have been a lot different movie if that was the case. So. It just makes you wonder what some of these creative minds think because you have to think also like Stephen King hates The Shining. Yep. How do you hate The Shining? He so hated does, it. So he does, hated uh, it enough that he made a TV version with the dude from Wings. Steve, uh, <laughs> Steven uh, Spielberg hates The Shining too. That's retarded. Yep. But, uh, well, that's a whole other conversation. Ah, but, yeah, uh, anyway. But, uh, you know, the final scene in the movie, uh, the chief picks up the uh, uh, the little water, whatever it is, the water tank thing, throws it through the window the way that McMurphy said he was going to, and jumps out and runs. Of uh, course, and that's parodied just as much as the pillow over the face. Oh, yeah, well, that's what I meant, that whole scene, the yeah. mm, hammer, and then, then the going out the thing. I mean, that whole thing has been parodied so many times, but, you know, you see it. You see the real version, and I mean, it's it's an it's an amazing scene. Such a classic. You can't say enough good things about this movie. It's no, it amazing. really is. It really is incredible. Um, 
Why don't we go ahead and take a break? Okay. And uh, when we come back, we'll do our top five female villains and top five scenes from a mental institution. And we'll probably have a bunch of other bullshit to talk about, too. All right. And the song we're going to listen to is uh, from a band, Sabrosa, Salt Lake Band, um, called Sugar Creek. Yep. And we'll be right back. start with uh, top five scenes in a mental institution and or asylum. All right. Sort of a, you know, you know what I realized in hard. doing mine is that almost uh, one of mine, well, three of mine are horror movies. <laughs> I figured. Uh, so, you know, but whatever. Why don't, uh, I'll go ahead and start off. My yeah. number five, uh, and th this is the second time that it's this this movie has popped up in one of my 
lists, and oh. it's in dreams. Oh, okay. Uh, the scene where Annette Benning basically gets sent to a mental institution, and she's in a rubber room for a couple of days, and that's pretty... It's pretty gnarly, you mm -hmm. know, and she's trying to tell them that, like, her dreams are coming true and this guy is going to kill her whole family and blah, blah, blah. Uh, and then after that, uh, once she's been adequately both sedated, and I think she may even get some shock therapy, uh, she gets... She then goes and, and, and stays in a room with uh, this other lady and realizes that the room that she's in is the room that the killer was in, who's Robert Downey Jr. Uh, yeah. And she... Uh, Starts peeling off the wallpaper, and he's written all over the walls under the wallpaper. And I don't know. It's 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 a it, it's not it's not a really pivotal scene, but the way that they film it, it, the way that the rubber room looks that she's in is really cool. Like the way that they film that, and the way cool. that they film the little area that she's uh, sleeping in. It's 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 all it's all pretty cool. And I mean, you know, it's another one of those things where you automatically have to go. Well, I mean, come on, the Board of Health would never let a place like that filthy. But, you know, you, you put that on hold and go, ah, you know, you know, the second that you're, you know, you have to go, all right, well, she's seeing this guy's dreams and he's seeing hers. And so cool. once you accept that, you got to accept everything else. So, sure. Yeah. So that's my number five. Cool. <laughs> my number five. And it's probably more my love for the movie and the underrated uh Part uh, just this whole movie, but mine's uh, his brain candy. <laughs> oh shit! I hadn't even thought about the kids that. in the hall movie brain candy, mm -hmm. where they're all he he goes and shows them kind of what the side effects of the drug have done. Oh, and they're all in that big room. They're together. in a huge room together with nothing, and they're all trapped in their happy memories. Oh, I love the lady that's uh, doing uh, Funky Town. Yeah, would you take me? To Funky yep, that's what you take. And she just keeps pantomiming it over and over again. That's fucking awesome. My favorite happy memory, though, out of the whole movie, is the one of the old lady, which is one of the kids in the hall. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Where they yeah. go, it's it's her like uh, Christmas, and all the kids like bust in. Yeah, and and, uh, and he's like, "Hey mom, fully. sorry, yeah, hey yeah. mom, sorry, we're a few hours late." And the kids like tear the presents out of her hand and throw them in her face after they open yeah. it because they suck and and they leave the, he comes he's like oh so I hear dad's dead yep and then they take <laughs> off and she's like well that was just lovely <laughs> but yeah they, he goes and takes a shot of uh you know of, of vodka and yeah he's like well we gotta go and we gotta go and that's her happiest memory oh, that, that was just lovely but they're all trapped in there and it's it, it's more my love for the movie but it was uh <laughs> no, that's a great. That's a great one, man. But I, no, all, that's such a hilarious movie. It's so underrated. Oh, it is. It's definitely got to be a certain. T uh, you have to have a sense of humor. I for think that, it'll, I think it might come up on our list because oh, yeah. I'd love to do that movie. I think that's a fucking great one. Uh, my number four is actually. It, it's funny enough. Uh, my young, my youngest brother Jay wrote to uh, wrote to a damn podcast, and he mentioned this one, and I it was already on my list before. I even saw the email, but uh, 12 Monkeys, uh, the the whole section of the movie that takes place in the asylum is yep. just great. Oh, it's amazing. Um, You're in my chair! Yeah, Brad Pitt <laughs> is just, it's he's phenomenal in that. And, uh, you know, all of his little, like, asides about, like, you know, you, you're supposed to buy things, and then you buy things, and then what do you become? You become a consumer, and if yeah. you don't buy things, if you don't buy all the stuff that they're trying to sell you, then what are you, huh, huh? You're crazy, that's right. And he like goes through that whole thing about <laughs> the that. The consumerism speech. Yeah, it's yeah. so great. And then there's the guy uh, that's that's the, the elderly black man that's in the tuxedo who tells him, I realize I'm not really from Pluto. 
Yeah, that's right. But in my mind, I've created a fantasy world where I escape. It is a mental divergence. Once I stop going to Pluto, I will then be sane. Are you also mentally diver- divergent, friend? And then he's wearing those those bunny slippers. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's just it's great, and like you know they like they have this shitty TV up in the corner, and all it's showing are these, business. Yeah, all <laughs> these really horrible like old movies and cartoons and stuff, and yet again a very dirty, filthy you know the asylum. But uh, yeah. you know that it's just a pretty classic scene. Oh, so. completely. Yours? Uh, my number four is the movie. I guess not the movie. There's a certain scene, but the movie Awakenings with Robert uh, Robin Williams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, Robert Downey, uh, not Robert Downey, uh, Robert De Niro. Yeah. And um, there's a whole uh, the whole thing's actually pretty good. It's you know it's a heartfelt Penny Marshall flick, but you know it's uh yeah but... it's okay. I mean it's a good movie. Robert uh, De Niro does amazing. And uh, there's a, the scene in particular where uh, that I that I wanted to mention was uh, where they're playing uh, catch with yeah. the ball and they're kind of just basically just sitting there null and void and just sitting in their seat have no idea what's going on and he tries to play catch with them and you know that he's trying all this different stuff with uh medication and increasing medication and decreasing and whatever and they're you know and they catch the ball and whatever right that's you know. uh it's based on uh it's based on the works of uh, it's a true story yeah i can't remember the guy's name and actually my brother that i just mentioned jay will would be pissed at me that I can't remember the guy's name now, but he wrote the book, uh, The Man Who Mistook His Wife for a Hat, and the guy uh, uh, has done probably the most uh, um, intense research with uh, people with neurological uh, disorders, but oh, I can't think of his name. It's going to oh, it's gonna bug me. Anyway, uh, yeah, yeah, that's a great one. That yeah, is a great it's one. It's a cool movie. And that actually ties in with one of my... Uh, that ties in pretty well with, with, with one of my honorable mentions, uh, which would be um, the Fisher King? Yeah, which is you know has, has is is he the? I mean, I, I was thinking about Fisher King, and uh, I wasn't sure because he's not really. I mean, he's I mean he's crazy, but he's not really in a psych ward. At the end, he's in a hospital because he's hurt. But I don't think it's really a psych ward, is it? I think it is because he can't. He's catatonic. Yeah, and there's all the other weirdo guys that are going around. Yeah. they all sing the "Do you like New York in June?" Yeah, I love that part. Yeah, that. but Terry Gilliam. I think it is. Again. I think it's a neurological. He gets award, mentioned but... more than Arnold. I think Terry Gilliam. I think so too. Yeah, that's <laughs> probably, twice just now. It's probably a good thing. Uh, no, my number three is actually a movie called "In the Mouth of Madness." Um, is that with Scott Bakula? No, that's uh, what is that one? I'm thinking. That's the uh, Master of Illusions or <laughs> yeah. something. No, in the Mouth of Madness uh, is uh, no, I can't remember anybody that's in it now. Uh, see, I haven't had the internet, so I haven't been able to like go in and put names and dates and stuff. And so, <laughs> um, but there's a great scene uh, where God, scene I can't even think of his name, but uh, the main character gets put in this insane asylum. It's a movie by John Carpenter, and uh, there's a little inside joke where. They're all in their separate little rubber rooms and everything, and uh, they, to to calm the patients, they they play the carpenters, oh, and nice. so it's like you can hear it blaring in there, and the the guys in there, and like he isn't really insane, but he's been seeing all this crazy shit, and so they think he's insane, and he's in there, and he's. Like, no, let me out, I'm not insane. And then they start playing that, and he turns around, and he leans up against someone, and he goes, oh, God, not the fucking carpenters. <laughs> and it's just great. And it has, there's some, you know, uh, there's some really great cinematography shots inside the asylum. 
this very uh, Kubrick-esque, like really long hallways and just really, uh, uh, really frightening-looking place. But uh, cool. so that's my number three is in the Mouth of Madness. All right, um, my number three is Sling Blade. Ooh, the, um, my number two. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah, I mean the the whole part at the beginning uh, with J T. Walsh, of course, is jabbering away talking. Oh about my god! I know that was that's the that's the thing that's yeah. the most amazing in it. Yeah. The classic staring out the window, all null and void, and then he goes and does the interview. And, mm-hmm, yeah, you yeah. Know, and, <laughs> and he talks about you know what he's done and why. That's he's probably in jail the and, most realistic looking psych ward i think from yeah. from most of the movies that we've mentioned it, it it looks like a real like he he i think they even refer to it as a day room that he's in which would be a totally yeah. you know uh, uh accurate uh, portrayal but yeah and he's sitting there telling him about tying up girls yeah and just all, all this oh sexual God, fucked up stuff so fucked and then of up. course it kind of bookends the movie because it's at the beginning and then at the, the end yeah so. and, and jt walsh creeps us out in the beginning <laughs> and in the end he's that guy he is man that's actually <laughs> He will show up again later on my list. Oh, yeah? Well, he won't, but a movie that... Won't, my favorite movie with him in it will. Okay. Uh, my number one... Do you want to go back to let me do my number two, and then we can... Do oh, yeah, one? yeah, yeah. Well, let's do that. That's a good idea. Okay. My number two... <laughs> and this is this will be real quick. I just love this movie. And uh, it's a small part, but it's What About Bob? <laughs> when, oh, yeah. When, he go, when Richard Drivers commits him to the hospital. And, and he comes back an hour later. Not even an hour later. <laughs> yeah. He's like pulled up to his house and he gets a phone call and he's all happy. And he gets a call saying, you need to come back down. Well, and I love, the way, I love the way she says it to him on the phone, too. Like, I don't want you to embarrass yourself, so why don't you just come back and get your friend? Because, like... <laughs> You know, there's nothing wrong with him. Yeah, and he they show Bill Murray in in the in the hospital, and all the doctors around him laughing, and he's telling jokes. And he's yeah, like, he does a little poem where he's like, "Roses are red, violets are blue. I'm schizophrenic, schizophrenic, and so am I." <laughs> and then the other great joke he tells where he's like, and then he shows him another Rorschach picture, and he says, "Was this one remind you?" And he's like, "Sex." And he's like, "What do you see in this one?" And he's like, "Sex." And he's like. I've got it. You're, you're obsessed with sex. And he says, you doesn't want to keep showing me all the dirty pictures, You keep drawing all the dirty yeah, pictures. Yeah, that's fucking great. <laughs> so I just had to mention I No, that's that a good one, man. <laughs> very, very good. Hell yeah. Uh, my number one... Man, I am always apologizing for movies that I love. I'm constantly like, <laughs> it's got problems, but God, it's really good. Uh, my number one is Exorcist Three Legion. Uh, the majority of the movie takes place uh, in the... Uh, 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 psychological uh neurological disorder uh ward and uh ah, man i almost don't even want to say why it rules so much for people who haven't seen it but it's it makes you scared of old people that's all i'm gonna it's gonna make you scared of anyone catatonic anyone who who wants the exorcist 3 has probably seen it by now (laughs) maybe not if they agree with most of what i say about movies and they want to take my recommendation for it and so i'm gonna right now i'm gonna give you my lavar burton I recommend it. It's it's <laughs> one you should check out. Big thumbs up. So All right. there there's mine. But it's it's a it's a good one. Have you ever seen it? I don't think I have. I'm gonna. You're, I'm sending you home with it tonight. Okay. And I'm telling you now, it has some faults, and it actually has uh, much like our topic last week of uh, an ending scene that gets botched. Mm-hmm. This has one of those, and this is actually one where he sent it. He sent uh, the investors to see the movie, and they made him go back and put in this scene. That's a huge problem in the end of, in, the, in the last act. <laughs> really? They made him put it in there. So, 
Anyway. Cool. But yeah. Well, my number one was 12 Monkeys, so. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. We kind of talked about it. Yeah. It's a good one. No, it's great. Any other honorable mentions? Oh, you know, I I had one. Okay. Jacob's Ladder. It's very short, but it's it does it is like they and they don't even ever say like it's the psych ward or anything like that, but it's just where he's in the hospital and they say he may have broken his back and they say it's the most ominous thing too. It gives me chills just thinking about this line and I don't know why they say, Well let's send him down to X ray. And that's where they start carting his his stretcher down and next thing you know it's like bumping into oh, limbs and shit and there's the midgets crawling around that's on the right. fucking that glass above them, yeah. and that lady that's banging her head against the wall, and there's it's like that a haunted house. Yeah, yeah, but it's totally like the the neurological like like psych ward. Yeah, ah, it's so fucked um, up. I had uh, girl interrupted. You kind of got to mention yeah, that. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. No, it's definitely worth a mention. I'm I, sure some people would. I thought that would end up on your list. If we did have people write in. They would probably say, "Why did you have girl interrupted on there?" Well, I'm gonna start. I'm just gonna start writing into us under assumed names. Oh, I like it. <laughs> yeah, to try and kind of. But spur you know, it's the... a good, it's a pretty good movie, and like oh, Angelina yeah. Jolie won a, I think, an award for it, and it's you know, it's a good movie, and I haven't seen it in a while, but I remember liking it more than I thought I would. So thought I mentioned that, and then also Rain Man, uh, where he goes, yeah, to, yeah, where he goes yeah. to pick him up. Now they don't really say. I don't know if they really say it's a psych ward necessarily. He's somewhere he's got, special, though. He, yeah, I mean, much. he's got autism, and they it, they probably think it's more of a you know a weird mental thing, and yeah. think he's crazy. But uh, you know, I don't know. But there's the scene where they go and uh, Tom Cruise kind of goes to visit him and pick him up or steal him, I guess I should say. Right. And um, and everything, and you know, they, they, he's got all his baseball cards and knows all the stats and all that stuff, and you know, it's a it's you know, an amazing movie. The person that that was based on the actual rain man lives i guess in, is an asian in, guy and he no no i thought he was an asian guy no he lives in utah his, I, his, I know but i thought he was an asian no guy. he came to my high school he's not asian he's not asian uh-uh. i thought he was an asian he guy. came to my high school and he loves the jazz i knew that he i'd see and i knew that i knew that he loved the jazz and that he was from utah but i for the, the person that told me just Wanted me to embarrass myself on a podcast. I'm sure that was their intent. You know, I have to say, I do want to do the other list. I mean, we'll take a minute or whatever, but, you know, I finally got the internet back today. And I fixed my queue on Netflix. Karate Dog has a very long wait. I added... (laughs) No, no, it's next in line. (laughs) I'm getting Karate Dog this week. Awesome. I found out something that may have put the feather in the cap for this review. Uh, what's that? Guess who voices... Guess who's the voice of the karate dog? <laughs> the fact that the dog speaks is amazing. The, okay, well, the dog speaks, and some guy that I don't know who it is plays, like, the the a cop who's assigned to find karate dog's master, who is this kung fu guy who got murdered, and he's assigned to the case, and so he has to take care of the dog, because that's regular police procedure, right? <laughs> Apparently, this is this is just from the little bio thing that I, I was read. gonna say. Wow. Yeah, I already know this. All much. Right, who's the voice? Chevy Chase. No way. Chevy Chase. How the mighty have fucking <laughs> fallen! I thought that Snow Day was as low as this guy could get. You know, he like he did Snow Day. Like, did he just did he wow. just think did he get the call for Snow Day and he thought that it was like his drug dealer giving him like. <laughs> Come on down to the parking lot of Walmart, Chevy. We're having snow day. All coke must go. And then he showed up and had to do a Nickelodeon movie. Wasn't an accident. He has truly gone that low that he is now the voice 
of a CGI kung fu dog <laughs> in a straight to fucking video. Chevy! Amazing. Oh, God. Go the watch only the thing... trailer before next week on YouTube. The only thing I can do well, is a it. mental enema after I watch it is to watch Fletch right after it. So I'm like, okay. He was funny. He was fucking <laughs> awesome. Because he had a string of amazing movies. Yep. And now he's doing Karate Dog. <laughs> like, he won't even... And that... Well, but see, what it makes year, you... What year did Karate Dog come out? It came out, like, this year, I think. <laughs> or last year. This year or last year. It's either 2006 or 2000... Well... 2006, 2000, it's got to be 2007. I'm sure you'll have a full... Oh synopsis. my god, so next week, Karate Dog. <laughs> of course, well, I'll wait till next week, but I thought of a great one for you. Alright, well... It actually, it actually popped up on the same page as Karate Dog. Oh no. If you can believe that. <laughs> Alright. So... Okay. Yeah. So, uh, I don't know, do you want to take, a, little, do you want to take a, a break for a minute, or should we just go? Uh, let's take a break real quick. Okay, we'll be right back. Uh, we are going to listen to a song by Rodeo Boys called Boca Raton. We'll be right back.
imagination I got through the night with some new age cassettes It's my final vacation, fuck the 401k And the retirees won't see the likes of me It's 2pm, I'll pick you up at the beach Let's go ahead and get into our top five female villains. Okay, I'm ready. Um, do you want to go ahead and start? Okay, I'll go ahead and do my number five. My number five. This one, this week was kind of. Uh, we may have some of the same ones, but uh, yeah. But it, it was kind of hard. I mean, I guess there's a lot of them out there, but uh, it was hard picking which one. But yeah. uh, my number five is Daryl Hannah from Kill Bill. Um, Ellie. Oh yeah, I actually thought of that. One. Ellie Driver. A lot yeah. of people uh, like Lucy Liu's character more. Like when I looked at like what other people thought best villains were, and mm -hmm. they say Hero was the best, but I love Daryl Hannah because she has such a hatred for the bride. And she has such a cool look to her, too. Totally, with the she's eye got patch the eye patch, and, and, yeah. and she gets her other eyeball whipped out. I like I like uh, her nurse outfit. Totally. Pretty she's hot. super hot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's the first time you see good. her, too. So yeah. She's super hot, and she's a good villain, and mm -hmm. she's... Uh, and, you know, she's in both movies. That's another reason why, you know. And I love that the, she has this, like... Cool collective demeanor, but then like it keeps breaking. <laughs> like she's a cool collective demeanor, and then she's like, "God damn it!" Like just over and over again. Like. Yeah, and she that she hasn't done much <laughs> since like Attack of the Fifty Foot Woman. <laughs> yeah, then, no kidding, huh? <laughs> so, uh, so uh, it was good to see her uh, in that in that movie, and she, and uh, you know Tarantino's of course great at bringing people back and yeah. giving them roles that fit them, and totally. Make, and who would have thought, you know, back yeah. back watching her in Splash. Yeah. That's where she would Or Roxanne. Oh, Roxanne. I like that movie. That's a great movie. I love that movie. I love that movie, too. All right, what's your number five? Was it, didn't Chelsea say we should do that movie? Yeah, that's a good one. That is a good one. Oh, I like that. Uh, my number five is uh, <clears throat> Ihi Sheena from Audition. Oh. Uh, super fucking creepy. Super creepy villain, and the movie plays it this out so well. This is the lady so at well. the end who ends up. Yeah, okay. yeah, 
Yeah. I don't want to give anything away. You've seen it? Yeah. Yeah. The movie does such a great job of slowly showing you. You know, at first you meet her and you think that she's this, you know, uh, cute, uh, very subservient. uh, This was Korean movie, right? uh, Yes. Okay. Um, Actually, I think it's Japanese. Okay. Um, And she seems very subservient. You're making all this noise over there. I'm not. It's all going to show up. God damn it. As my dog barks in the background. Anyway, uh, you know, she seems she seems very docile, but as you start to get more and more information about her as the movie sort of uh, uh, goes on, she gets creepier and creepier until the climax, and you suddenly realize, like, holy fuck, she's completely insane, and this is scary as shit. And she's gnarly, man. She's hard fucking core. So that is my number five, uh, Ihi, uh, Ihi Shina. That is a great movie. She's pretty subtle at first, and you're like, oh, she's a sweet girl. She just kind of had some fucked up history. Yeah. And then you start going, hmm, this is, she's a little weird. And then you're like, <laughs> wow, she's really weird. And then you're like, oh, God. <laughs> there is a Korean movie that I wanted to ask you about, um, just as a side thing here. A Tale of Two Sisters. Have you ever seen it? Oh, yeah, yeah. I own I, 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 You own it? Yeah. Let me borrow it, because I saw a preview. I'm like, holy fuck, that looks awesome. Yeah, I'll send you home. I'll send you home with it and uh, uh, Exorcist 3 tonight. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Two and, good, scary movies. All right, and my number four, I think I remember it, but let me go ahead. Um, well, this is kind of a an easy one, but it's The Wicked Witch of the West and Wizard of Oz. <laughs> that was one of my honorable mentions, as yeah. A, as, you know, as a kid, I had to turn my head a lot of her scenes because she was so creepy yeah. and scary and like, ugh. Oh, she's yeah. really, you know, classic witch, you know, but she looks apart. She you afraid of fire, scarecrow? Oh, she still just creeps me out. <laughs> just thinking about it, but, uh, you know, she, that's just kind of classic and that could have been predictable, but, you know. She's no, it's a great one, man. I think it's a very classic one. It's one, one of the best. Uh, my number four, Angelica Houston in The Grifters. Oh. Um, and that's that's where my uh, 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 JT. Uh, He's in that. JT yeah, Walsh? yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Have you ever seen The Grifters? A long, long time ago. Oh I, I man, couldn't say, I couldn't say anything about it because I don't remember. Oh much. man, that's uh, <laughs> let me just guy, say this. Stephen Frears, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stephen Frears. And let me say this much for you. Uh, I don't want to ruin it because I'm sure a lot of people haven't seen The Grifters. Angelica Houston. She. She seems like kind of a, a a bumbling con man through parts of it, but she has a couple of choice scenes that I have to say to all of our listeners. Uh, in in lieu of Mother's Day, which is close upon us, go watch The Grifters and watch what kind of a mother she is because it will make you want to barf out of your ears. <laughs> it, there's For anybody who's seen it, they know what I'm talking about. For those that haven't, Go and watch it. The, the 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 last 15 minutes will just, your jaw will drop to the floor. So, anyway, Angelica Houston, that's my number four. Cool. That's a good one. Um, my number three uh, is one of my favorite comedies of all time, but it's Tracy Flick and Election. Oh, yeah! Reese, Fucking good one! <laughs> Reese Witherspoon. Oh, man. She is the ultimate, just like, oh, I hate you. That yeah. girl in school. Let me tell you like, something about Tracy. Let me tell you one more thing about Tracy Flick. 
Her, her pussy gets, gets so wet. <laughs> you can't even believe oh, it. No, God. don't tell me that. That is a fucking amazing movie. But man. it's great. Oh. And even up till the end where he sees her in Washington, D.C. and throws this <laughs> fucking cup at her. Yeah. It's so great. Oh, it's so man. funny. But the whole time you're just like, oh, that's the girl in school. You're like, I hate you. Yeah, I fucking hate that girl. <laughs> yeah. Oh, she does an incredible job. She does. That. Yeah. I, yeah, and then she goes and does shit like legally blonde. So I don't know. Yeah, she's I mean, kind she's of. Still, she still comes back and does some some cool movies here and I there. I can't but remember they're, they're, any other than election. I, I she, can't either. But they, but she has she has some good movies too. Freeway, you know? I guess too. But um, no. But they uh, I love that movie. It's so fucking funny. Yeah. And um, her her part especially. Oh yeah, it's that's a, that's a great that's a classic one. <laughs> All right. Uh, my number three is Sharon Stone from Casino. I was hoping you were going to say Basic Instinct. <laughs> and you know what? Honorable mention, maybe. Well, no, because, you know, and my wife suggested Basic Instinct. And I said, if you go back and watch the movie, she's not the villain. Casino, though, you know what? Like, Casino, that is, that is... That is a great one I didn't even think about. You know, and there's there's definitely moments where she is just sort of this confused lunatic or whatever but there's other parts in it where you're pulling your hair out you like you're you crazy bitch like yeah. i mean she truly i mean it's somewhere between somewhere between like her insanity and uh de niro's hubris in that movie together bring the downfall of old las vegas but she plays an integral part in it and i mean some of her motivations in that movie are are creepier and more intense than she does a lot of your classic villains you she does know? an incredible job yeah man. and she i mean it's really oh so great all of her scenes with uh james woods and uh it's just a great one so cool that is my number three uh my number two is kathy bates and misery Ooh, my number one that's your number one yeah the part where she's breaks his ankles hobbles she's, him yeah oh and she's like, she, after she does it she's like God, I love you. And you're yeah, like, God, I love God. you. She's awesome. Yeah, she is. <laughs> and she is so fucking scary. Yeah, yeah. no, it, it, it's insane. Like, yeah. she is so frightening. And I I dirty, you're a dirty on. birdie. You're a dirty birdie. It's I figured just, that might be on your list. Oh, uh, yeah, that's actually my number one. I'll give you my number two. And okay. actually, my number two and my number one are pretty much tied for number one. Uh, Glenn Close, Fatal Attraction. Yep, <laughs> I thought you were uh, <laughs> She is just, you know, I mean, at first you're, you're watching it and you're like, oh man, this sucks. This dude's cheating on his wife. And like, yeah, there was obviously an attraction there with this girl, but like, whatever. And then he breaks it off with her and like, he breaks it off with her. And within the 30 seconds after he's like, you know, we knew what we were doing. This is just a fling and goes to walk out the door. She has slit her wrists. (laughs) I'm like, look at me. Ah, like, you know, I hurt myself. And you're like. Oh Christ! Oh man, <laughs> she's capable of anything. If you were gonna cheat on your wife, that would be the last person you'd want to cheat with. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> yeah, the one time that you finally decide to be like, all right, well, in monogamy, nah, whatever, Let, <laughs> let's do this, and it's it's with someone that is completely insane, like, yeah. and so terrifying. Ah. It's a good movie. She, I haven't watched it in a long time. You know what? I'll send you home with that one too because it's Adrian Lyne, the same guy that yep. did Jacob's Ladder. And it's, yeah. uh, 
I've mentioned it before on the podcast. It's a fucking good one, man. I've seen certain scenes like 3,000 times. Right, no, but you got to watch, like, from the beginning, watch the whole no, thing I know, again. I know, I know. And it just, is a good movie. you know, remember that it's the 80s, so when you see, like, Glenn Close's gigantic hair, <laughs> just think, like, yeah, but that's, it's like a peacock, you know, tail. It's attractive. Whatever. Um, all right, and so my, uh, my number one, it's one we've talked about before. It could be pretty predictable, but it's, uh... It's Charlize Theron and Monster. Um, she's the ultimate villain, I think. Yeah, she really she, is. She's the, I, I think, the epitome of someone that is just. Oh, I where, she, know, where she kills the old guy that's like that was just trying to help her. Oh yeah, that part. Oh, that part is so. It depressing. breaks your heart. It does. Yeah, but like you can't peel your eyes away. It's no. just like she's just. It's just magnetic. Oh, it's amazing. She's, she's. I mean, we've talked about it before. It's one of my favorite acting. Oh yeah. I mean it's by it's, female and I probably ever I can't think of it. It is it is the it is for as far as actor transformations goes, it is the female raging bull. Yeah. It oh, is. Exactly. It is just like That's a great way to put who it. Who the fuck or, or or the female uh machinist, you know, it's like who you can't even recognize her and she's there's parts where you do feel bad for her and there's other parts where she's just fucking terrifying. Yeah. Is yeah. She, I mean, she is. I I know the movie's about her, but she is the villain for sure. Oh yeah, she's oh, yeah. not a protagonist in any way. No. So. Uh, honorable mentions. Um, I don't. I, it was kind of hard for me this week, so I didn't really have any. Yet. I have a. I have a couple. Uh, Carrie Ann Moss and Memento. I thought was. I kind of. Really that, you know what? That gnarly, kind of popped like, in my head because she does fuck with him and a lot. She's sleazy and just. Yeah. Uh, um. Uh. Uh. uh a double double team here with Goonies and Throw Mama from the Train. Yeah, that lady I thought about is the her fucking, as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, let's see what else do I have down girl. here? Uh, the uh, the witch, the Wicked Witch from uh, Sleeping Beauty. I had on my list. Glenn Close from Dangerous Liaisons. Who that is? And it was it was a it was a tough call between that and Fatal Attraction, and I it could go either way because yeah. she is so manipulative in that. Um, and then the last one that I had almost made it to my list, but it's like a technicality, so I don't know. But tell me what you think of this. I was going to say, uh, Mrs. Bates from Psycho, even <laughs> though she isn't really there, yeah, right? And it's Norman that's pretending to be her and doing her voice and killing these girls. You, her presence is so big in that movie. You just have to think to yourself... Even though she's dead and mummified up in the attic room of the Bates Hotel, she had to have been so fucking manipulative and crazy to turn him into that. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I, I would say no. On it's a I know. On it's a, a technicality. That, that's but, why I didn't yeah, put it, but, yeah. you know, I think that, you know, if you could go back and have known nothing about Psycho and just watched it and then shut off the movie with, you know... 15 minutes left, you would go, yeah, she's the most intense female villain I've ever seen. Yeah. But it isn't her. I can see your reasoning. Yeah, that's all. You want to do feedback? I thought you would have been more enthusiastic about my <laughs> idea than you were. I'm sorry. <laughs> You're a little lethargic today. You okay? I'm okay. Do you need a nap? No. No. You sure? Yeah. Okay. I get some good sleep. Okay, good. <laughs> Go yeah, ahead and do fucking feedback. take that good sleep while you can. What does your kid do? Yeah, I have a baby on the way, um, so I may <laughs> miss a uh, I may miss a week or two. I'm gonna still try um, to do it every week if I can, but there may be a week where I I may miss it. But um, I, just just take it easy, man. I was thinking about that the other day, but you being like, 
I'm going to go do my uh, stupid cool? movie podcast now. Is that all right? <laughs> no. Like, no, just stay home. No. Or phone in, phone in your comments. Yeah. Phone in your top fives. <laughs> we have Adam on speakerphone. Oh, no, my would be great if we could do that. My wife is like uh, eight and a half months pregnant, so it could be an, any day now. She's ready to pop. So, um, but, you know. <laughs> what? She's going to be so excited that you said that. <laughs> What's that she's like? ready to pop. It's not like she's listening. Oh. She doesn't listen to these? No, she does. No. Um, See, okay. so she'll hear it. It is, uh, go ahead and delve into the feedback. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, so we have two, uh, we have two pieces of feedback here. Uh, the first one, as I said before, is from my, uh, my younger brother, Jay, uh, who basically just talks about how much he likes the podcast, which I thought was very nice. But the one comment that he made that was great, other than the 12 Your family member one, likes the podcast? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's good. My family's my biggest fans. <laughs> um, but he he made a great comment about uh, uh, the top five list last week about... Uh, how many times can I say the word about? I don't know. I say, um, yeah. all the time. Yeah, or basically. My Bas- favorite, basically. Is I do say basically a lot. We should have a, dr- a damn podcast drinking game. Where we just listen to it. <laughs> but how narcissistic is that? We just listen to ourselves. Well, they should have it. We shouldn't. Oh, <laughs> all those people that are writing in, you mean? Yeah. <laughs> that aren't my family members? Uh, anyway, the comment that he made was about the top five list about climactic scenes uh, in movies that fall short. And he said, the changeling. And I totally agree. Yeah. You know, he says, uh, I think you could add the changeling to your list as far as movies with letdowns go. I mean, come on. The old man is suddenly teleported to the house, which conveniently starts on fire, and the wheelchair is chasing the woman around. (laughs) He's totally right. The movie is so nuanced and so small in all these ways that are really creepy and well done. And yeah, and then at the end, all of a sudden, the guy's transported into the house, and the house burns to the ground, (laughs) taking him with it. And the wheelchair just suddenly comes to life and is chasing everybody around. And don't get me wrong, a wheelchair chasing me around to scare the shit out of me. But when I watch it in a movie, I'm like, come on, what (laughs) are you doing? And so I thought that was great. And then he mentioned uh, 12 Monkeys for Insane Asylum stuff. Um, And he said that we should probably do a a podcast of 12 Monkeys, considering the fact that it's the third time it's been mentioned so far, yeah. then maybe we probably should. So, And then the Taylor one that we've been waiting for for a while, go ahead and read that. Uh, it's kind of a long one, but uh, he talks about the movies that he shouldn't have seen when he was a kid. And he actually mentions, he mentions RoboCop, which I want to devote an entire podcast <laughs> to because I think it's great. But yeah, he said that RoboCop was definitely the same for me uh, as it was for him. One of those movies that when he was a kid, he, he should not have well, been And watching. his uncle took him to the movie, and he's like, oh, you can pick any movie you want to. And, and he's like, fucking RoboCop. And he took him, and he said his uncle instantly was like, oh, oh shit. shit. <laughs> yeah. He's like, don't tell your parents. Yeah, that seriously. I will be that uncle if any of my siblings have children. <laughs> I will definitely be like, ew, RoboCop. But, uh, you know, he's, uh, he also says, I got into huge trouble for telling my parents I was going to go... I was going to see Back to the Future 3, when in reality, I went to see Total Recall at the Fashion Place Mall, and my friend's mom bought me a ticket. On top of seeing Total Recall, I went to see it with my friends who wasn't that I wasn't supposed to hang out with. I think every neighborhood has one of those kids. I know mine did. His name was Brody. Brody? Yep. Uh, the kid your parent explicitly forbade you to play with because their parents don't give a shit and will buy young teens tickets to Total Recall. <laughs> Oh, Sean Sunderland, the shenanigans we got into, he says. So he's named, so Sean, if you're listening to this, Taylor remembers you. 
so yes, Paul Verhoeven played a big role in my movies I wasn't supposed to see list. Paul Verhoeven. Yeah, RoboCop. We, we already mentioned Basic Instinct. Paul Verhoeven again. Yep. Uh, Starship Troopers. And Showgirls. <laughs> also Paul Verhoeven. Oh, he's got some, some dumps on there, huh? Yeah. So anyway, that's our listener feedback. Uh, next week, we will be doing... Uh, Eternal, Eternal Sunshine. Sunshine of the Spotless Mind and our two top five lists by Michelle Gondry by yeah not the top five list by Michelle Gondry no no you were a little is. late though yeah, on well, that you're hard to interrupt yeah <laughs> you're closer to the microphone than I am you can just lean in and they won't even hear me okay okay do you want to do that what top five <laughs> what top five directors who will Take us into the next generation. Generation. So you know the new uh, the the directors that and who's going to be the next uh, Spielberg? Who's going to be the next Scorsese? You know the, these kinds of things. Kubrick, that that kind of stuff. Stuff that you know, basically the ones that we think are going to change cinematic history for the good. And twenty years are going to yeah. be remembered like those guys. Yes. So that that's the first top five list. Second top five list is top five movies. That propelled a comedic actor into dr- into dramatic roles, so that's the other one. Well, so I think they're gonna be that, those are some pretty good lists. I like those. Yeah, I like those too. Those are good tie-ins to the movies. Yeah, well, so. they are. So uh, that will be next week. Thanks for joining us this week. And uh, do you have anything else to add, Adam? Nope. nope. Episode eight. That's it. That was episode eight. All right. Uh, thank you very much, and we'll see you next week. Bye bye.